0: Thank mm-hmm. you. fans to episode number 154 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. And to kick off today's show, we got a little bit of news on a variety of different topics here. Just kind of going to jump from one thing to the next. Uh, first and foremost, the latest on the proposed CBA. We talked about this quite a bit in our last episode. And just to kind of keep you guys updated here, the NHL Players Association's Executive Board has approved the proposed CBA with the NHL. That happened yesterday on Tuesday. And today on Wednesday, the next step is the players will be voting on the CBA. And the voting window will start today on Wednesday and extend all the way through Friday. And an announcement of the results will also happen on Friday. So this CBA adds four more years to the current agreement, and it will give us labor peace until September 15th of 2026, assuming it is ratified. And you know, at this point, it kind of seems like a formality. It seems like there's a lot of momentum and it seems like the players are in agreement here. But I suppose you never know until the very end. Uh, there were a couple of times this offseason where it looked like the MLB and the MLB Players Association was about to come to an agreement on, you know, a return to play proposal. And then, you know, negotiations would fall apart at the zero hour, right when it looked like they had momentum. Of course, now there is going to be an MLB season. But the only reason I bring that up just to kind of emphasize the fact that you never really know what could happen until, uh, you know, the zero hour, until every everything comes official, you really shouldn't count your chickens until they hatch. But it does sound like this will happen July 8th. Again, that is today on Wednesday, the players ratification voting window opens, and it will be a secret ballot that is conducted electronically. And then the voting window closes on July 10th. And the announcement of the players decision uh, will happen on Friday as well. So if all goes as planned, we will have a new CBA officially in place as soon as Friday. So that's obviously good to hear. Also, assuming the new CBA is agreed upon and everything goes off as planned, that means that the postseason will begin on August 1st. So obviously, circle that day on your calendar. No word yet if the Rangers will be one of the teams in action on that night. But Either way, hockey will be back, and that's obviously great news. Listen, I I know there are still some people that don't necessarily think that sports should be coming back right now, and I totally understand that, and I'm kind of on board with you. You know, I don't know that it's really the safest thing to do right now because COVID-19 has not gone away. By that same token— It will be nice to get sports back. I know a lot of people are missing it, and I know a lot of people could really use that as a little bit of a pick-me-up right now. So, yeah, you know, obviously, if if hockey comes back, we're all going to watch. Also, as part of the new CBA, the opening of training camps will start on July 13th, which is also the official beginning of Phase 3. Teams will be practicing in their local markets at that time. And then on July 26th, whichever teams have qualified for the playoffs will travel to their hub cities and phase four, the return to actually playing games will begin on August 1st. Once again, that is the start of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Once we get to phase three, there will be no limitations on how many players can be practicing at the same time. Initially, workout groups were limited to just six players each, but then it was later expanded to 12 players. And again, for phase three, there will be no limits whatsoever. You'll have entire teams on the ice at the same time. And just fingers crossed that uh, this goes as smoothly as it can possibly go. Again, I find it very hard to believe that COVID won't continue to be an issue, but It is what it is. They're going to push forward with the Stanley Cup playoffs, and eventually you have to let these teams practice, and that's where we're at right now. Once these teams all get to their hub cities, they will be housed in, quote-unquote, secure zones, and these secure zones will include hotels, restaurants, practice facilities, and the arena where the exhibition qualifier and postseason games will be played. And each person inside these secure zones will be tested daily for COVID-19. Once Phase 3 starts, rosters will be limited to 30 skaters apiece, but there will be an unlimited amount of goalies allowed per team. And maybe if you're the Rangers, you know, obviously you'll have the big three. We've been talking about the big three goalies really all season. And then especially since the season has been paused, we've been trying to figure out who the starting goalie might be when the postseason starts, who the backup might be, and who might be a healthy scratch on game nights. But maybe if you're the Rangers, you can also bring in uh, Jean-Francois Barraby. He was acquired via the Flyers after the Flyers placed him on waivers earlier this season, and has spent his time with the Hartford Wolfpacker. He did anyway until the AHL season was ultimately canceled. But yeah, I mean, if you have an unlimited amount of goalies allowed in camp, maybe the Rangers look to add another one, and maybe Bearby is the guy. Once phase four begins, rosters will be limited to just 31 players that will include goalies. And so you would think probably most teams are going to go with at least three goalies, maybe four, because you never know. You know, if there's injuries or just overall ineffectiveness from one or multiple goalies on the team, it couldn't hurt to have an extra goalie around. But I will, uh, in a future episode, what we're going to do is take a look at who I think will be on the 31 player roster for the Rangers. You know, we'll just kind of go line by line, defense pairing by defense pairing, and then. Uh, healthy scratch by healthy scratch, and just try to figure out who's going to be there, who might be a little bit of a surprise to make the 31-man roster, who might even be a surprise active player on game night, uh, you know, under certain circumstances. So we'll look forward to that in a future episode, but we're going to save that because that probably would take up an entire episode. Right now, we're just kind of trying to figure out everything that's going to happen here as the NHL prepares to return for the Stanley Cup playoffs. There will also be a maximum of 52 individuals per team, and this includes ownership, players, coaches, executives, and staff who will be permitted inside the quote-unquote secure zone, and there will be daily testing, symptom checks, and temperature screenings for each individual. We do know of at least one group that will not be making the trip to Toronto when the Rangers head there for the playoffs, and that is the broadcast teams at MSG Network for both the Rangers and the Islanders. Rather than going to the arena in Toronto and calling the action from there, they will instead be at a studio in New York, and they will call the action, I assume, just from watching on a monitor, just like the rest of us are going to do, and that's fine. I mean, I don't think you absolutely 100% need all of the announcers to be at the arena. You know, they can call the action from their from the studio or even from their couches if they have to. It's funny, there was actually a scrimmage on the other day. Uh, The Yankees did just an inner squad uh, scrimmage and just played a couple innings against each other. It was a lot of fun to watch. It was great just to see some live sports again, at least some form of live sports. Obviously, the game doesn't count for anything, but hey, live baseball is live baseball, and uh, it was just really nice to see. But the reason I bring this up is because all the Yankees announcers were essentially just calling the game from their living room. They all just kind of dialed in separately, uh, I assume using Zoom or or a similar uh, program to Zoom, and just calling the action right there from their couches. And, And it worked for them. I'm sure it can work for the Rangers announcers too. And like I said, there's no reason for anybody who doesn't absolutely need to go with the team to go with the team. And so obviously Sam Rosen Joe Micheletti, everybody else, all these Ranger broadcasters, all the Islander broadcasters as well, going to be calling all the action from a studio in New York, rather than risk traveling to Toronto and uh, calling the action live from the arena. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Winder, often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning, like, Is your Odyssey an LX or an EX and have to wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse just happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store We sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. The NHL has also announced that it will have 10 referees and 10 linesmen in each of the two hub cities to handle the playoffs going forward. And look, I know we're kind of all over the place in this episode. We're kind of just jumping from one thing to the next, but that's just kind of the nature of the beast right now. You know, there's a lot of moving parts, and the NHL just kind of scrambling to get everything in place, and uh, we're just kind of scrambling to keep up with them. So, you know, hopefully it all works out. Hopefully it's a successful return to play, and we get the safe and secure conclusion to the NHL season and end up with a Stanley Cup champion. Naturally, with hockey being played in August, there's going to be some concern at least about. Keeping arenas cold enough that you can keep the ice in condition that's playable and that actually results in good hockey, actually still feels like you're playing the game of hockey. But the NHL is of the belief that the lack of fans might actually uh, play a role in allowing these arenas to stay colder because you got 18,000 people packed to the rafters for a playoff game and just screaming. They're obviously going to produce a lot of heat, but you take those 18,000 people out of the equation and the belief from the NHL is that it will be that much easier than to keep these arenas cold enough to play quality hockey and keep the rinks in good shape, which actually, now that I'm thinking about it, it really makes you wonder if Vegas was ever really all that good of a choice to be one of the hub cities because... You know, I've been to Vegas a couple of times, but I always go in March, and it's usually fairly hot then. I mean, I wouldn't say it's, like, scalding, but it'll get into, like, you know, the 70s, maybe the 80s even in March. Uh, in August in Vegas. I mean, it's going to be over 100 degrees every single day. So that might be problematic as far as trying to keep the arena in good shape for hockey playoff games in August in Las Vegas. Uh, I don't know how you would do that. Obviously, technology has come a long way. The NHL mentioned that as well when addressing these concerns about keeping the arenas cold enough. But yeah, I don't know that Vegas ever would have been really all that smart of a choice now that I'm thinking about it. But bottom line, The two hub cities are Toronto and Edmonton. That's Canada. Canada obviously tends to be a little bit colder than the United States. And as the NHL mentioned, you take the 18,000 people out of there, you can keep the arena uh, colder, you know, just by having it empty. And to read a quote to you guys from Bob Hunter, Bob Hunter is the former general manager of SBA Air Canada Center and is now the CEO of Toronto Wolfpack Rugby. But this is what he had to say on the matter. There aren't going to be fans in the building That's just as important as what the weather is outside. You get 18,000 people in there, and they generate a lot of heat. By the second and third periods, it's a challenge to keep the ice hard and fast. When I worked there, we were able to keep the humidity down. We spent $5.3 million on a dehumidifier many years ago, and I know they've made improvements since. Just look at Las Vegas hosting a Stanley Cup final in June a couple of years ago. And yeah, that is true. I mean, they did host the finals in June, but August, I don't know. August tends to be, I I think, the hottest month. July and August to me, uh, I don't have any science to back this up, but uh, year after year goes by, July and August always seem like the two hottest months. And of course, with the Stanley Cup final, it's usually early to mid-June when it wraps up. But yeah, it just seems like Vegas hosting the Stanley Cup playoffs in July and August, you're kind of just asking for trouble. But uh, yeah, obviously, good news that the NHL feels that it can keep these rinks, these ice surfaces, in playing condition throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs. One other thing I'd like to talk about here today is some comments that John Tortorella made, and don't worry, I'm going to eventually, you know, bring this back to the Rangers and apply it to the Rangers situation. But John Tortorella uh, was asked about, you know, playing in a best of five series and how he might handle it, how he might coach it differently as opposed to a best of seven series. And just a total John Tortorella answer here. Anybody who remembers him from coaching the Rangers and you know seeing him in his postgame pressers and the way he would talk to the media and the way he would answer questions, uh, this answer here will come as no surprise to any of you. But this is what John Tortorella had to say when asked how he might coach the best of five series. He says, if I have to run with some guys, I will. I'm not going to sit there and wait for guys to get going. The series is over in a week. You lose that first game, you're behind the eight ball really quickly. Just the intensity that comes with fans being in the building and that not being there, how is the team going to handle that? The team that best adjusts to that and gets into that competitive mindset quicker than the other team is going to have a major advantage in game one. That's where I think it's really important to get used to this environment as quickly as possible and get to the competing and just concentrating on that. So yeah, typical John Tortorella, no-nonsense, not playing any favorites, kind of an answer. Uh, He's not going to wait around for his players to get going, and this kind of harkens back to something that I said about the Rangers goalie situation a few episodes ago because, you know, obviously throughout the whole season, we've had an eye on this goaltending situation. It started with Lundqvist and Georgiev, and then obviously Igor Sesterkin just played out of his mind in the AHL, and he forced his way onto the NHL roster. And ever since then, the Rangers have been dealing with the difficult task of trying to work all three goalies in and out of the lineup, giving all three guys an appropriate amount of playing time. Uh, Certainly never an easy task there, but they've done the best they can with it. And he, obviously, Igor Shosturkin has kind of emerged as the starter as the season has gone on. Now, obviously, the season will have been on pause for about four and a half months when we finally get games being played again, and we'll see how the Rangers handle it. But the similarities that this has with the Tortorella comments are, how do the Rangers handle this? And this is something that we talked about, because if if you go with Igor Shosturkin in game one, and he goes out there and the Rangers lose five to two, and he just doesn't have a good game, what do you do? I think if it was a best of 7 series the choice would be obvious because if you go with somebody as your starting goalie for game 1 I don't think you're going to just pull them out of the starting lineup for game 2 if it's a best of 7 series because a best of 7 you get the feeling it could be kind of a long series Rangers Hurricanes you know both similar records in the standings you expect it to be a good series despite the Rangers you know domination of the Hurricanes in recent times but now that it's only a best of of 5 you are staring at a 2 to nothing series deficit and really having your back against the wall. So what do you do if your goalie struggles in Game 1? Do you go ahead and just roll with him in Game 2, or do you kind of make a knee-jerk reaction and just throw in a different goalie for Game 2? It's a very interesting question, and this stems well beyond the goalies as well. If if you look at the forwards and defensemen for the Rangers as well, you have to wonder if playing time will be determined by how good of a start you get off to in Game 1, maybe even more so than usual in the postseason, because... Again, there's no time to mess around here. It's a best of five. It's an absolute sprint, and you got to win these games. And so, if a certain line on the Rangers, if, you know, maybe the third or fourth line gets off to a good start and they look dangerous out there, do they see an uptick in playing time? It's certainly possible. I would think for the Ranger forwards, uh, you're going to see the top six pretty much no matter what. Even if one of the Ranger top two lines gets off to a slow start, I still think you're going to keep rolling with them. You're not going to sit Artemi Panarin down for the playoffs. You're not going to set. Uh, Mika Zibanejad down for the playoffs, and that applies to a lesser extent to the rest of the Rangers' forwards in the top lines, you know, whether it's Chris Kreider, whether it's Pavel Buchnevich, whether it's Jesper Foss or Ryan Strom. These six forwards have basically been the Rangers' top six forwards throughout the season, Uh, obviously not counting time where they have had to miss time due to injury. Mika Zibanejad missed some time with an injury. Chris Kreider was out toward the end of the regular season there before the season was on pause. But yeah, I think for the Ranger forwards, those guys are safe. Say Artemi Panarin's line has a bad shift or two. I I don't think David Quinn is going to panic and throw the fourth line out there uh, in in place of Artemi Panarin's line. I don't think that's going to happen. But for the Ranger defenseman, I think playing time is going to be very much on the line as soon as the puck drops in Game 1 because... Like we've been saying, there is no time to mess around here. It is a best of five. It is an absolute sprint, and you're going to need to be going with your best players out there on the ice as often as possible. And that increases tenfold when you consider the fact that Carolina, somewhat similar to the Rangers, has a bit of a top-heavy team in terms of their top line because that top line of Sebastian Aho, Tevu Teravainen, Andrei Svechnikov, it is absolutely lethal. It is absolutely scary. So. Common sense would suggest that the Rangers are going to be looking to put who they think are their best defense pairing out there on the ice to match up against that top line of the Carolina Hurricanes as often as possible. And... The Rangers, for the most part this season, have used their defense pairings fairly interchangeably. Ice time is fairly evenly distributed, uh, not counting, obviously, power play time because, you know, guys like Ryan Lindgren, he's not going to be out there on the power play. Mark Stahl, not going to be out there on the power play either. But when the game is at even strength, the Rangers, you know, for the most part, ice time is fairly evenly distributed among the defensemen. However, you've got this Carolina Hurricanes team with this lethal top line. You are going to want to figure out who is playing best out of your three defense pairings, and you're going to want to match up that defense pairing against that top Carolina line as often as possible. Obviously, they can't be out there for every single second that Carolina's top line is out there. That's just not possible. And don't forget, there is still a little bit of a home and away aspect to these games because the Rangers will act as the home team in games three and four. The Canes will be the home team for games one, two, and five. And so when the Rangers are the home team, they get the last change. So they will get the last change for games three and four. And if there's a play stoppage in game three or in game four, the Rangers will have the opportunity to see who the Carolina Hurricanes are putting on the ice. And if they see that Kane's top line out there, you would have to imagine that Coach Quinn is going to want to put his top defense pairing out there. So right from the opening faceoff of game one of this playoff series, I think the Rangers three defense pairings, and I assume they're going to stick with what they've gone with. That would be Lindgren and Fox. That would be Truba and Smith. And that would be Stahl and D'Angelo. It's going to be up for grabs. If you want to be the top Ranger defense pairing, go out and take it. And, you know, I think that Lingren and Fox probably have the advantage, but you do have to remember they are both rookies. They are new to this. And so, you know, maybe Brennan Smith and Truba, they're kind of the veteran pair, if there is a veteran pair, of the entire bunch. uh, Maybe they make a run at being the top defense pairing. You never know what can happen. Again, I expect it to be Lingren and Fox, but it'll be a very, very interesting situation to watch. And I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, who the Rangers go with when the Canes have Ajo, Teravina, and Svechnikov on the ice. And that's not to say that those are the only three players on the Hurricanes that can possibly hurt the Rangers. They have other talented players as well. But there is a fairly significant drop-off. If you look at the stats and you just look at the points from the Carolina Hurricanes, there is quite the drop-off after that top line. So you got to stop them first and foremost, and I would imagine the Rangers will be looking to put whoever they consider to be their top defense pairing on the ice to stop them as often as they possibly can. But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in and for sticking with this podcast through all these crazy times that we're living in right now. If you'd like to get in touch with the podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Now go ahead and tell your smart device to play the latest edition of Locked On NHL. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.